The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lectures. It's me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day or night. Now, I did want to let you guys know that on our last lecture, we talked about extinction. Again, huge bummer. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend it because it is important to kind of understand how extinctions happen, how they're going to keep happening if we don't do stuff. You know, the usual love nature, don't kill it vibe that everyone gives off these days. But what I want to talk about today is less of a bummer, but still kind of a bummer. I did promise it wouldn't be as sad, but then again, I was talking about extinctions. There's very few things that are sadder than extinction, so it was really just, there was only up. I could only go up from there. Today, we are talking about endangered species, and endangered species are a problem we can actually solve in our world. With extinction, Aside from $15 million being thrown at some sort of revive a woolly mammoth that won't actually be a woolly mammoth program, we can actually save these creatures if they're endangered. We have the potential to help them, and we have. It's really easy to go online and find stories of, oh, this species is endangered, this species is endangered. But that's because media and the internet kind of cycles negative stories to get the most reactions. We have actually helped to save a lot of organisms out there. So today we're going to try and take some of the bad with a lot of the good. We are going to be talking about what specifically an endangered species is, some of the ways that we have helped and saved them, who actually tells them that they're endangered anyway, and best of all, we're going to be looking at some endangered or formerly endangered Pokemon and seeing how they relate to real-world endangered animals. So let's go ahead and break it down with a definition. An endangered species is an organism that is threatened with near extinction to some degree. And that's about it. Okay, now for real, there's a scientific definition. In order to be classified as an endangered species, the species has to have a population decline of 70% and have a known cause, or a population decline of 50% and an unknown cause. Uh, The measuring is done over a 10-year period or a three-generational period. So whatever comes first. So this means that we have actual measurements for what is endangered you can't just go out there and see well i didn't find the squirrels that i liked seeing in my backyard for the past three days so they must be endangered there's actual criteria for this stuff so we have collective lists of these guys but a lot of people don't even think about who actually makes the list like we we always say oh this thing is endangered and governments accept this thing is endangered but who actually makes the list and that is the IUCN, the International Union of Conservation of Nature, founded in 1964. This collective organization created a list of criteria to determine just how close we are to the edge of from one species to another. The reason they are the most respected is because for decades, they collected data from all over the globe. Basically, if you have a study on a species population, you send it to them, they can evaluate it, and then they can determine the ranking of this animal. The reason I say ranking is because you don't just go from zero to endangered to extinct. There are more steps than that. Every living thing falls under a specific designation, and that designation starts at least concern, and then it goes down to near threatened, vulnerable, 
then endangered, critically endangered, extinct in the wild, and then finally extinct. There's also a category like uncertain, so that's either just not enough data to tell you anything whatsoever, or just no one is bothered researching it, but we're not going to focus on that one today. So whenever you see an animal go off the endangered species list, it didn't just immediately go to it's perfectly fine. It means it just kind of got bumped up on the list of survivability. So it's not least concern. It is now considered a vulnerable species. So this should be taken in mind whenever you're dealing with any sort of animal, like, like pandas. Pandas now fall under vulnerable, even though they're no longer endangered. And California condors still fall under the critically endangered species list. So there's quite a few animals out there and quite a few plants and other things, too, that fall under this weird criteria. Now, all this information, all this data, like I said, gets spread around the world so conservationists and world government can use it to dictate how much land and resources are going to go to keeping this animal safe. Which brings us to our next topic on how do you unendanger a species? What are the best ways to deal with it? And kind of like extinction, every organism has its own story. Every organism has its own precise needs and space, and no two living things are going to be alike. What is needed for a shark to be protected is not the same that is going to be needed for a penguin or a manatee. Yes, they all live in the ocean, but each one provides a very specific niche. Each one has a very specific diet or range. It's got to be taken into account for every single species. Every single one. Now, with every species being so difficult, sometimes it's harder because you don't know anything about a species. If the species is something that is barely known or, or worse, hated then getting people to assist in bringing its numbers up is going to be a, a bit of a tough sell. When it comes to saving animals, this is one of my least favorite facts, but marketing is everything. If you want to get an animal help, you have to market the crap out of it and make it appealing for people to actually care. Now, if you can't get around that, let's say it's a spider. If you send even a picture of a spider on the internet, someone will send you a gif of a house burning down saying, there, done. People will kill spiders. There are people listening right now who want to kill spiders. If I told you to save spiders, now I wouldn't care. There's a way around that. It's called an umbrella species. Basically, it's a species that if protected, it also by proxy protects a bunch of other things. The greatest example of an umbrella species is the panda. The panda living in the Chinese forest, while it's protected, makes it so that way Everything that lives in that same forest is also protected. So by protecting the panda, we also protected dozens of plants and insects and birds. Now, there are also things like elephants, manatees. Basically, if you can think of an animal that's iconic, that's typically considered an umbrella species. If you save a polar bear, you're also going to save the beluga sort of deal. It, it is a little sneaky. I'll give you that. It's a bit sneaky. But if I have to be sneaky to save the world, then gosh darn it, I'm going to do it. Uh, the other way to protect a species is kind of to show how much economic harm it's going to do if you lose it. Uh, this works with animals like coral and bees, where when you provide homes for them, when you help keep them safe, they technically help keep you safe and you alive. A lot of bees pollinate our crops and a ton of all, no, not a ton, basically all of our seafood comes in some way or form in contact with coral reefs. So we kind of need them. So if you just tell the governments, hey, 
here's this study. Here's all the money you'll have to spend to save this animal. In Brazil, uh, many people actually did research and discussed that cutting down the Amazon rainforest is worth way less to the country than actually having the trees intact. You got to show people where the money is going to come from. Madison is always right when she said that follow the money. The money is going to tell you exactly where everything's going, and it's also going to tell you the best way to save something. Uh, zoos and aquariums also do their part as well. A lot of them provide species survival programs, and the people who visit the zoos and aquariums are going to be the ones funding and making sure they can actually do this. By letting the public in to see these animals, it's going to help the ones in the wild. I understand that people don't like zoos, and believe me, I get it. There are definitely some zoos that need to be shut down, and if I hear anyone tell me about Tiger King or any of that crud one more time, I'm going to get real upset because there are real hardworking zookeepers and wildlife experts who are trying to save these animals only to be met by protesters outside saying, I think it was from Chicago, better dead than shed when someone actually was trying to like protest beluga whales in shed aquarium. Think about that logic. I'd rather kill this animal than see it alive in a habitat. Like, what? I don't know. Really weird. Anyway. Uh, if you are successful in any of these, either by protecting the ones still in the wild, uh, releasing captive individuals from those breeding programs, the biggest thing you have to remember is it has to stay that way. You can't just release a thing or boost its numbers up and then just give up, drop everything and move on because that's when the numbers go back down. Uh, if you take them off the list too early, you take all the protections away too early, the population isn't large enough to sustain growth. This is going to cause some major issues. Manatees are going through this right now. They were taken off the list a few years ago. And two years later, we have more manatees dead by boat strikes than almost any other time in recorded history. It's scary stuff. But enough of reality. Let, let's skip out of reality. Let's go to the Pokemon. For our Pokemon, we're going to look at some that have been classified as endangered at some point in time and see how we can help them using techniques in the real world. So let's start with... Uh, Honestly, one that surprised me a little bit, uh, Raichu. So in Ultramoon, the Pokedex states that Raichu, uh, let's see, da, 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 ah, because so many trainers like the way Pikachu looks, you don't see this Pokemon very often. So that's a real bummer. Because Pikachu is so popular, Raichus are becoming an endangered species. So what we are seeing is what I would like to call a, a beaver problem in reverse. So beavers were hunted almost to extinction because of their fur. Uh, the fur is incredibly durable, but also incredibly fashionable. At the time, everybody wanted it. The trend was to have beaver-skinned hats, beaver-skinned gloves, and shoes, and jackets if you could afford it. But what really helped them make a comeback was the fact that not only did people put protections and different laws to make sure you couldn't kill as many or that or any of them at all at certain times of the year, the fashion kind of went down. As the fashion craze for beaver went down, the population went up. Raichu has the opposite problem with the beaver. The less people want it, the, the species can't really be seen as much. They need thunderstones, and I'm guessing that thunderstones can't really be found just lying around in the wild. So to fix this, let's take a page out of the Canadian's rule book. So uh, let's attempt to find a whole population of wild Pikachus and then airdrop a bunch of thunderstones to control the population of Pikachus. Now, the reason I say it's out of the Canadian playbook is because one of the ways that we have controlled rising moose populations is by airdropping wolves to deal with them. Uh, this, that's not a meme. That's an actual thing we did. They literally flew a plane over, dropped wolves with parachutes into these areas from Canada into the United States, and then they just made sure they could reduce the 
deer or moose population. Typically moose, because moose are terrifying and in very, very large numbers. Our next one is also from Kanto, and this one has a ton of info about how much it's hated on it, and that is Muck. After uh, recent environmental improvements, this Pokemon is hardly seen at all. People speculate that it may go extinct at some point. That one's from Moon. Uh, Ultra Sun says their food sources have decreased and their numbers have declined sharply. Sludge ponds are being built to prevent their extinction. And in Ultra Moon, because they scatter germs everywhere, they have long been targeted for extermination, leading to a steep decline in their population. So what we're seeing is that muck has a similar problem to animals like wolves. They are hated just for existing and doing what nature has told them to do. Granted, mucks are man-made, but we're going to ignore that little detail. Anywho, uh, wolves don't scatter disease like muck does, at least not as much as people would like to think. Some people accuse them of spreading different rabies and other disease, but they do threaten farmers and their livelihoods on occasion. There was a time in medieval Europe that people would constantly be attacked by wolves if they were out with their flock of sheep. Like, this is a natural reality. These animals will attack and eat vulnerable prey. But they have been targeted around the world even as things have modernized. So now there have had to be population increases and different programs around the world to try and bring them back. Uh, the sludge ponds for muck. Great idea. Really helpful to boost the population. Uh, you could also build a protective zone for them to live in peace, and I think that's really the best idea. It is too dangerous to let them roam around the cities. It is definitely not a thing where we can just, oh, just let them eat the garbage. No, they spread disease, and they smell so bad they melted off their own nose. Look it up. Uh, the hardest thing would be to get funds for a sludge pond. It's one of those, like, not-in-my-backyard situation, although... Unlike wind turbines, I can actually see why you wouldn't want this thing in your backyard. Uh, my best bet for this would be to find a poison type and have it live in the sludge pond that people actually like. Make it like a Toxicroak. People love frogs. Or make it a Toxitricity. Have it play concerts and stuff with the muck in the background. You just got to find some way to make it appealing. Market the muck at something special. There's even a dex in the Pokedex that says, hey, dumb people like the smell. Great. Find a town of those lunatics and build the pond there. They can have a tourist attraction, make some money off it. There's plenty of ways to save this thing. Although, to be perfectly honest, this is the only one where I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand. Next up is Lapras. And Lapras is a bit of a weirdo because on one side of the Pokedex, you have <clears throat> a Pokemon that has been overhunted almost to extinction. It can ferry people across the water. And that's from Pokemon Red, one of the very first games. And now at Ultra Moon, you have, they've been so cherished that they are in overabundance. The fish Pokemon population has declined in waters with too many Lapras. So we had an endangered species problem with Lapras. And then people started to care. There's always that story about the kid who just kept breeding them and releasing them. It's like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. But... This species survived from the brink, and this does happen. For some reason, a lot in Florida, alligators, brown pelicans, corals, sea turtles, we've seen, in, for some reason, Florida really good at helping species out, even though it hosts so many other terrible ones. Now, overhunting is an old song, and it's a dance we all know too well. In this case, it reminds me of whaling. Uh, whaling for their oils and other material. You can make a lot of stuff out of whales. You can make lubricant. You can make perfumes and umbrellas. There's a lot of stuff you can do with a whale, but honestly, they're a lot better when they're alive. Now, obviously, most countries have stopped these practices, and many whales are making a comeback, but that other part, that second part, the overabundance thing, reminds me of moose. Remember that whole airdrop wolf thing from a few minutes ago? 
It turns out the reason they need it was people have started making it easier for moose to mate uh, for hunting purposes. They are least concerned species, and where they're not protected, it's a big animal. There's plenty of them, and shooting them is not going to deteriorate the wildlife conditions anytime soon. But it seems they've done a bit of a too good job on it. There's so many moose in some areas that some researchers claim that you could see a complete die-off of parts of the ecosystem, or you could just get so many moose that eventually their population collapses because there's not enough resources to feed all of them in such large numbers. To deal with the Lapras problem of overpopulation, oh, y'all not going to like this. <laughs> I think we should airdrop their wolves in. So we need to airdrop something that kills Laprases in enough quantities where it doesn't wipe them out, but it kind of balances out the population. I'm thinking a group of Sharpedos, but I don't think they have the type cover. Delmise! We'll throw Delmises into the water, and we'll see if they can take out some of those Laprases. They like beating up Waylords. I'm sure they can take on a Lapras. If you think that what I'm saying is terrible and awful, Welcome to the world of population control. We are not peacefully taking them into a farm upstate. Sometimes dirty work's gotta be done. Alright, next up is Absol. And Absol, really fun Pokemon to talk about because this Pokemon is able to detect danger. So here's the deck. <clears throat> uh, because of this Pokemon's ability to detect danger, people mistook Absol as a bringer of doom. This is from S.H.I.E.L.D. The best example of an animal that kind of embodies the Absol's whole deal is something called an I.I. Uh, the I.I. looks nothing like an Absol. In fact, it's a lemur from Madagascar, and it looks like it crawled out of a 90s Tim Burton movie, like directly from, like, The Nightmare Before Christmas. This thing has skeletal, it has only a few hairs, big buggy eyes, weird teeth, and super long skeleton-like fingers. Its middle finger is actually longer than its other finger, and it uses them to tap on trees and listen for insects inside of the wood. The locals have believed that if the middle finger points at you, that you are now marked for dead. And the only thing that can stop it is if you kill them, which is why a lot of these locals have killed these animals on site. Absol is another issue with this because Absol has the same problem. It's a hard balancing act to deal with. Do you want to go in and be the person saying, hey, your custom is wrong, stop it? It's not going to work out the way you think it is unless you have guns, in case it might, but at what cost? You also can't just go around letting some cultures do whatever they want. Obviously, there were cultures that were wiped out throughout human history, but some of them practiced human sacrifice. I kind of like that they don't practice human sacrifice anymore. But it's really hard to kind of balance out that moral obligation versus the autonomy. You can't really fight that. You kind of have to make it work from within, have the people change themselves and their culture. Uh, the best bet would be to monitor the Absol's population near these areas and catch them helping people on film. Uh, trying to change their mind is the best way. Education is the enemy of our worst instincts. The more someone learns, the less likely they are to turn to their baser instinct and get violent and attack stuff. Finally, let's talk about Mudbray. Now, Mudbray, it wasn't in the Pokedex. It was kind of like a blurb a Pokemon put out on their website. So it kind of says, uh, it was once found all over the world, but now Alola is the only place it can be found in the wild. So we are seeing a situation that might sound over the top, but it's on the way to becoming a reality for a lot of animals. Uh, there are amphibians across the world that are taking a beating from the dual hammer of climate change and pollution. So they could be on the way to only being found in certain areas across the world. Uh, Chinese alligators 
Only about 150 individuals are in the wild and 10,000 of them are in human care. So this is kind of a very similar situation. Mudbray kind of lives in one little spot and then people across the world kind of have them safe and protected. Alola is such a good place for them to breed. So we're not exactly thinking of, oh, let's just spread them out all over the world now. But what if we could? What if we use the Alolan Islands as a breeding ground for them, like a closed-off breeding ground? It's surrounded by water. They ain't going to go nowhere. And then you advertise. Say, oh, this island has a very unique ground type, super high defense, very heavy, very powerful, great for work. We would love for you to come and take a look and capture this wild Pokemon. And what's really fun with that is that you could charge money for it. You could make oodles of cash by doing this but also you could help spread the population across the planet naturally so over time you're going to have your various breeders who are going to go out and breed them they're going to be like me and breed jack them and release them into the wild those populations will grow and come back so long as trainers find this pokemon appealing advertise mud bray advertise mudsdale get them out there get their faces out there and show hey Bring this Pokemon to your region today and help establish breeding programs. You could offer economic incentives. You can just offer the fact that it's a dope ground type. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do just to incentivize people to kind of keep these. We did this with uh, bees by having people plant certain flowers. Their entire campaigns being like, hey, here's some native flowers. Plant them in your yard to help bees. It kind of benefits you. It makes your garden look really nice. By advertising and marketing in a certain way, you can really help some Pokemon and some animals out. Now, we are getting a bit over the time. Oh, my. Sorry for kind of going. Again, these are more rants at this point. So there you have it. Endangered species, it's not a death sentence. It's a warning. Keep that in mind. Whenever you see an animal being endangered, there's almost always a chance to save it. There's always, always a chance to bring it back. We've done it before. And we'll do it again. I hope you guys enjoyed this lecture. I hope you guys like this topic. If you guys have any ideas for lectures, topics, episodes, whatever, send us reviews. Send us messages on Twitter and Facebook. I love talking to y'all. It is a riot, and the rest of the team loves it too. Again, if you want to support us more directly, we have our patron. If you want to go ahead and tell your friends, that's really helpful. We got so much support from the birthday episode last week. I cannot thank you enough for that. That was amazing. All right, guys, have a wonderful rest of your day or night. I'll see you guys in the next lecture, and let's start enjoying this happy Halloween. Peace!